The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is the Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It is four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. here on the, um, here on, uh, what night is it? It is Thursday night. Another week has flown by um, here on the East Coast of the United States, and you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to the Steve Malzberg Show. Now, uh, we have a lot to talk about, so many different things. There was a violent, outrageous, quote-unquote, protest for those supporting uh, Hamas and the Palestinians in Washington, D.C., outside the DNC headquarters last night. Six police officers were injured. Police officers were pepper sprayed. Not the other way around. Police officers were pepper sprayed. I want you to guess how many people were arrested. I wanted you to. uh, The Capitol Police were outraged. The the Capitol Police were saying, you know, this was this was not a peaceful protest. This was out. This was bad. You know how many people they arrested? One. Six cops hurt. One person arrested. Par for the course, my friends, par for the course. Uh, so we got a lot to get to. There's a lot going on. There's this Osama bin Laden letter that he wrote a year after he blew, they blew up the World Trade Center and killed 3,000 people. A year after that, he wrote this letter to America uh, blaming the U.S. and Israel for the reason that they, they did the attacks. And, and, and guess what? That letter is now a big hit on TikTok. And generation, whatever it is, X, Z, Y, who the hell knows? Yeah, oh, wait till you hear what some of them have to say. Oh, their their hearts are now with Osama bin Laden. They they misjudged him. What a wonderful terrorist he was. <laughs> I, I kid you not. But you know what? They fit right in. They fit right in. They support Hamas. They should support Osama bin Laden and ISIS and all the rest of them because they're all the same. Terrorists, terrorists, but oh, oh, my mind has changed. Oh, it was so good that he flew the planes and killed 3,000 innocent Americans. Yes, it's Israel's fault. <laughs> you can't make it up. They're, they're sick, sick, sick. Um, but anyway, um, the president met with President Xi of China, Joe Biden did, Yesterday, I told you about it out in San Francisco at the uh, APEC summit, the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation uh, Summit in San Francisco. I want you to hear a little um, synopsis, uh, the way it was reported by uh, Peter Ducey on the Fox News channel. He was out there with them. And this is cut number 187. Something that we learned today, President Biden is not looking for more distance, more tension with China. If anything, he's trying to get closer to them. The United States will continue to compete vigorously with the PRC, but will manage that competition responsibly so it doesn't veer into conflict or accidental conflict. And where it's possible, where our interests are, coincide. She is also here looking for some help growing the Chinese economy, which had been growing at a record pace until recently. 
planet Earth is big enough for the two countries to succeed, and one country's success is an opportunity for the other. President Biden again referred to Xi as a dictator, but it's not stopping him from trying to get the U.S. military and the CCP's military talking again, particularly as the CCP makes provocative moves in the South China Sea. We're back to direct, open, clear, direct communications on a, on a, ba on a direct basis. Vital miscalculations on either side can, uh, can cause real, real trouble with a with a, uh, a country like China or any other major country. And so I think we're made real progress there as well. Okay, so let's uh, let's welcome in our guests and then we'll get to some more of uh, Peter Ducey. Uh, we've had him before. We welcome back Nan Su, senior investigative reporter for the Epic Times uh, with a, an eye and a focus on Chinese politics and 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 their their government deception. Um, so, uh, Nan, welcome back, my friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your impressions uh, of what happened um, what we know happened, they, they met supposedly Biden and, Sh and Xi for four hours. I can't even imagine Joe Biden staying awake for four hours. Nonetheless, um, he came out, he had a press conference, he read from cards, he called on who he was supposed to call on, and then he wandered off into the, the wilderness. So um, what, what's your takeaway from the, uh, the meeting uh, as we know of it uh, between Biden and Xi? Okay, uh she tried to get a little bit good deal, better, much better deal from the uh, China-U.S. relationship. He didn't get it. While uh, Biden pretty much got what he wanted. He got he rebuilt the the top communication channel between U.S. military and Chinese military, uh, and also basically he can call, he can make direct phone call with uh, uh, Chinese communist, uh, communist leader Xi. So uh, Biden get uh, pretty much what he want, and he also called Xi Jinping a dictator. So I believe uh, uh, Biden get what he want. She didn't get what he want. But also I want to say Biden actually can do a lot more. In what respect? What do you mean he could do a lot more? Uh a lot more, uh, for example, uh, I, I think that uh, Biden administration can what can what they can do is they make a lot of uh, a lot more uh, legislative effort to limit uh, the investment from United States to China. Okay, well that that that's interesting. Well, uh, you know, you mentioned. You mentioned uh, the, uh, the 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 calling him a dictator. Dictator that was not scripted. You the the media is making a big deal. They showed to, to, uh, to Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, sitting in the front row when Biden said that. And you could stay. I guess they say he grimaced, and you could kind of see he kind of like you know rubbed his hands together nervously. So I don't think he was too happy about it. The Chinese spokespeople weren't happy about it. She didn't say anything about it. He went on about his business. Um, so how significant is it or how harmful is it to what they, to, to their discussion? Because first came the discussion and then in the aftermath came, you know, he's a dictator. 
um, by Biden. How much does that put a damper on everything that was accomplished, quote unquote? Nothing. There's no damper there. You know, that's the right way to deal with communist regime leaders. You don't back off. You never back off. So I, I think it's right for Biden actually call uh, communist leader dictator. And that's what he is. So um, that's pretty good. But, but I think uh, Biden and the U uh, U.S. Congress can actually do a lot more to achieve a lot more with the current situation, the economic trouble China is in. Okay, well, let, let me let me also um, ask you about um, uh, one thing that they did not. Well, let, let, let's listen to Peter Ducey, uh, his the rest of his report, and we'll weigh in on that. Here's 188. The other big one from today, fentanyl. It is a top killer of Americans that originates in China. You know, uh, we're in a situation where we agreed that uh, fentanyl as, precur as precursors will be curbed substantially and the pill presses. That's a big that's a big movement they're doing. Uh, and by the way, uh, you know, I won't I guess I shouldn't identify where it occurred, but John, I know uh, two people near where I live. Their kids literally, as I said, uh, strange, they woke up dead. Woke up dead, said the president. Uh, he is now at a dinner here in downtown San Francisco with some other world leaders. Uh, she is skipping that dinner. He decided instead to go meet uh, over a meal with some CEOs, including Elon Musk, who are in town. He is trying to get American businesses to start reinvesting money in the Chinese economy. We don't know if that's going to happen yet, but I was talking to one top official who was traveling with the president, and this person was telling me that from Xi's perspective, they have assessed, the White House has, that from Xi's perspective, just getting this meeting at all is a win for him. And he got it. And it's done. All right. So let me ask you, first of all, let's start with the fentanyl. Um, could, could Joe Biden have done more on fentanyl? It seems from what Biden said about it was that she has promised blah, 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 blah. But what is that going to translate into? Probably not a lot. Could Joe Biden have done better on fentanyl? Yes, he can do a lot more on fentanyl. We have 200 Americans die each day because of the fentanyl from China. Uh, uh, President Biden can do a lot more with the current economic situation in China. Uh, you know, Chairman Xi, I'm not sure if you, get, you, you guys uh, uh, noticed that uh, five days uh, before uh, Chairman, uh, not Chairman Xi, communist leader, I, I call him communist leader, Xi come, came to United States that uh, every day Xinhua News and People's uh, Daily, you know, all those state-owned media in China, they all talk high about U.S.-China uh, relationship. They truly want to recover their relationship. So with that in mind, you know, President Biden can ask a lot more. But currently, it's just, the, uh, it, it, you know, the, it's like the talk just starts. You know, there's no actual details being cemented. Uh, it's basically, you know, Biden and Xi Jinping, they agree, say, well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to um, 
you know, uh, have uh, uh, have maybe you know different teams to talk about that. In Chinese ru- regime leaders, they are known for you know they'll make a promise and they will never keep that promise. So right. you don't get them doing now. You know, I don't think actually they're ever going to do it. Well, Nan, let me. Let, then we're talking to Nan Sue of uh, the Epic Times here on the Steve Malzberg show about uh, Biden and and Xi's meeting. Um, what about what's with the CEOs? And and and, and this is what I, what gets me. The media ignores the fact. The U.S. ignores the fact. The CEOs ignore the fact that you have a million Uyghurs living in. What's I'm not going to say concentration camps, because if there's no ovens that they're getting thrown into and if there's no gas chambers, uh, as far as I know, then it's not a concentration camp. But living one step below a concentration camp, slave labor put they're, they're responsible for a lot of the labor and it's slave labor. They're acting as slaves and nobody gives a rat's behind. Nobody cares. The media doesn't care. Nobody says boo. And they're Muslims. Okay, and contrast that to how the media defends Hamas, (laughs) according to Hamas, according to Hamas, they're terrorists. These Uyghurs are poor civilian people and they're living in their slaves. And and the CEOs are going to do business. Biden's going to do business. The media is not going to report on it. Why? It's a double standard. It's a double standard. You know, uh, we know all these CEOs, they don't care about the human rights in China. We know all these CEOs, they don't care the slave, uh, slavery labor in China. They never care. This is not the first day they don't care. They never care. But however, uh, I don't think U.S., uh, I don't think Wall Street investors are going back to China. They uh, The CEOs show up in the meet, uh, in the din- at a dinner. They sit at the uh, at the same table uh, with champ, uh, with uh, communist leader uh, Xi Jinping. It's not because they want to go back to China to make further investment. They, you know, there are a couple things that will prevent uh, Wall Street to go back to China. Number one, geopolitical risk. Now, I'm not sure if you realize that when President Biden uh, answered the uh, media questions during the uh, press conference. He he basically, you know, he and she didn't make any put uh didn't advanced how to deal with Taiwan's situation. She never promised. She didn't promise that they're going to uh, uh give up their unification of Taiwan, that kind of effort. So geopolitical risk it's not going down. Number two, right. China's economy, China's economy, China's real estate hit bottom. You know, it's going to take take like a decade to recover. So the right. it, it's 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 a looming future of the economy. So Wall Street uh, CEOs they know they're not going to make money. They're probably going to lose a lot of money if they continue to invest in China. So they are going to the dinner not because they want to go back to China to invest, but it's kind of like a payback time. They make so much money. They're a good friend with Communist Party in the past 20 years. So now they make because they made so much money from China without caring uh, uh, the human rights issues in China. And now the Chinese regimes come to, come to them. They say, hey, you have to show up. So they, can, they kind of like go there to pay their dues. 
right. Yeah. No. Well, that, that that's that's sad. And 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 uh, let me ask you. You talk about payback and all the good years, last twenty years. I don't know how much money the Biden family got from China, uh, but it, it, there, you know, there, there's there's proof of the check that came from China and ten percent for the big guy, and who knows what else they did with China. Do you believe that Joe Biden is compromised by his son's dealings with China, the Chinese government? Uh, well, there currently there is an investigation going on. I, I'm a jun- journalist, so I I don't want to you know uh, make a comment about the current. Okay, okay, fair enough. All right, let's move on then. Let me move on to one last point here, Nan. Um, do you think that behind closed doors anything happened on the China, Russia, Iran alliance? Do you think? Biden might have said or somehow it got through that, hey, you can't be in bed with Iran and Russia and then, you know, normalize and, and with us and expect things to be, you know, hunky dory with us. You, you, you got to lighten up. You got to use your influence to make Iran stop their proxies from shooting at our soldiers from, from you got to make them stop attacking Israel. What, what, what do you think? Was that addressed at all? I think that was just a lip service. You know, by the Neil, he's not going to achieve anything. He just like, he there, he asked, you know, if he he didn't ask, then, you know, uh, he didn't do a good job. But he knew China is not going to promise anything uh, from those sides, those, uh, uh, those uh, subjects. So he asked, you know, and China didn't, didn't agree with him, so, so be it. Well, he might have been uh, he might have been napping at the time. He might have been sitting there, but he might have been napping. <laughs> Listen, I was Nan- not there. Nan- I, I don't know. I know. I know. <laughs> Nansu, always great to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. Nansu of the Epic Times, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Steve Malzberg show. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know. That press conference, which I did talk about last night because it happened just before I came on the air, um, the, the press conference was just, you know, it was pathetic. It was pathetic. I mean, but you know, Biden, supposedly they said he was going to do 45 minutes. He did like 25. He, he read answers off of cards looking down to questions that the, that the reporters would ask that he called on. He, he said, oh, I'm supposed to call on this. One. I'm supposed to call on that. One. I mean, just... Just so that this this is the president of the United States. So pathetic, so pathetic. But but what are you going to do? That's where we are. Um, And I might add that um, Governor uh, Newsom of California, who today the president said, and I'm paraphrasing, he is a hell of a governor. In fact, he could he'd be good. He'd be good to have my job. He could have my job. Again, you can't make it up. Kamala Harris, I think they she tried to jump out a window, but they stopped her when she heard that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, what's well, not going to be Kamala Harris? It's not going to be Gavin Newsom this time either. I'm sorry. Now, I'm, I'm more convinced than ever it's going to be Michelle Obama. You're not going to hear much from her. You're not going to see much of her. She's going to come to the convention while there are riots outside the convention, reminiscent of the 1968, 1968 Chicago Democrat Convention. It's going to be a replay of that. 
It's going to be chaos, and emerging from the chaos is going to be the great Michel, the great Michel. And uh, don't even ask. Don't even ask where we're heading. Don't even ask what it's going to be like. Uh, it's going to be bad. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears. Last night or the night before, I played for you a couple of, uh, of bites from um, this woman, and uh, Fonte. Uh, uh, about, she's a porn literacy teacher. If you remember, you'll hear it again. If you don't remember, you want, you're going to want to hear this. And uh, we have a, a, another guest that we're welcoming, welcoming back to the show, uh, somebody who's trying to do something about all this. Um, uh, Ramona Bessinger will be here, school teacher of Providence, Rhode Island, who had all that trouble because she spoke up uh, and uh, she's continuing the good fight. So we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll be joined by Ramona right here on TNT Radio. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. My neighbor is so excited. He just filled up his gas tank for 28 bucks. The bad news is it was his lawnmower. I got the high. This sucks. The high guys prices blues. Come on, man. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And then with the young people, um, I talk a lot about statistics because I think they're so scared about how their body is different than what they see on screen. So therefore, they think they're, they're abnormal. And so we talk about, you know, what percentage of people actually keep their body hair around, you know, in their genitals? What percentage of people um, actually squirt? What percentage of people actually swallow cum? You know, whatever it is, because they're thinking I'm supposed to do these things in order to have the social capital in my friend group or in this relationship. And I want to just demystify that first by saying, here's what is actually common. 
that might be a lot lower than you think. Unbelievable. Um, that that is uh, something called a um, <laughs> a a porn literacy teacher. Uh, I got that right off the Twitter account or the X account of uh, Ramona Bessinger, a school teacher in Providence, Rhode Island, who was retaliated against after she blew the whistle on CRT in her school. Um, and uh, she's back. We welcome her back. Uh, Ramona, welcome. And uh, I, I, I can't I just I could when I played that, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Uh, but you also had an interesting comment along when you tweet when you tweeted that out that. Uh, she also um, once this same woman taught kindergartners or talked about ki t teaching kindergartners how to masturbate. Am I right? That is correct. That made the news about a year and a half ago. And thank you so much for having me on your show, by the way. I really appreciate it. But yes, yeah, so, you know, this was uh, parents spoke out against this naturally. So but it is actually in some schools, some of the curriculum materials that kindergartners should be able to talk about these things and in fact, you know, be instructed on masturbation. I don't think it's widespread, thank goodness, because there's too much opposition to this sort of bizarreness. But yeah, she was that teacher or that instructor or whatever. I don't think she's a teacher. Uh, yeah, it, it. You know, we haven't talked in in quite a while. Just give us a, a, an update on uh, on where you are. You were telling me before we came on that about a year ago, a uh, bunch of teachers at the school. This was after they the school punished you for daring to speak out. They, I know they put you in a a room with no students, and then it, it came back. But a bunch of t teachers in your school wanted you fired. Where where are we right now? Where are you right now? Well, currently, since we spoke last from that base, basement room um, that I was made to sit in. Um, and this is all public, so I think I can speak about it. I was protested and harassed and bullied and called terrible names. Um, they, you know, these, a couple of teachers organized a big massive demonstration outside of my school so it made it, you know, virtually impossible and, in fact, unsafe for me to be in school. So the administration I'm, put me on administrative leave with pay. So here I am. No, no reason. You know, I'm a veteran teacher and mother, and I really take my job very seriously, care about it a great deal. And this is what happened. So here I am a year later. I continue to speak and try to sound the alarm on what I think is a terrible right. um, event. Well, uh, uh, what, what, I mean, you know, I, I just since the last time we spoke and we, if we spoke two weeks ago, I could probably say the same thing. Since the last time we spoke, things just keep getting worse and worse and worse, worse. And I read story after story about teacher after teacher. And I know that they're not the norm, uh, but teacher after teacher getting caught, for all kinds of things here, a middle school a counselor allegedly used a field trip to start a sexually grooming a student. Uh, that's a Fox News story. Um, a, a, another one. I mean, there, there's all, all kinds of stories that I had uh, prepared to talk to you about. But what what do you see um, changing? I mean, you know, I, I, I look at states like New Jersey and I see that they went to court to sue a couple of school districts that said, we want to 
make it mandatory that if a kid says, I want to change my sex uh, or I want to use the other bathroom or I want to use the other locker room, that the parent has to know. And the state of New Jersey went to court to forbid it. And I think they won. It's against the law for the parent to be told. How is that even possible in this country? It, it, it boggles the mind to, to even think, how do we even come this far? How do we make it to this point? And you are absolutely correct. It is astounding that parents can be actually alienated from their children if the child chooses to alienate their parent. And let's be realistic. There isn't a child on God's green earth that hasn't at one point or another, you know, felt resentment towards their parents or hated them or whatever. They're capturing these children when they're most troubled and then sort of funneling them into this gender web, if you will. And next thing you know, they could be on hormone replacement or hormone therapy. They could be transitioned. They, and eventually even removed from the home if the parents don't comply with all of this. So yeah, it is the law and policy in every school in the United States that if a child wants to you know, keep their parents from knowing what they're doing, that child has the right and the parents, uh, sorry, the administration honors the child's wishes. Parents are being alienated from their children. It's really, really sick. It's it's incredibly sick. It's incredibly dangerous. And you know, back to uh, to CRT, critical race theory. Um, we see what's happening uh, in schools. It's not only college campuses. It's happening in high schools. Um, I, I I know of it. I've I've heard of it from friends and who have kids or or friends' kids who go to uh, high schools in certain towns. Uh, and it's happening where. These uh, walkouts to, to support Hamas, um, you know, anti-Israel stuff, uh, harassment of Jewish students. And to me, the stage was set with critical race theory because you already alienated white people. So now this even gives other white kids a chance kind of in their minds. Maybe I'm not a psychologist to say, oh, it's them. You know, they're the bad ones. They're the bad white people. It's not all of us. And direct their anger at them. In addition to the the, the people who may have a, 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 a genetic link, uh, you know, a heritage uh, to the Palestinians. It, it's just what's happening is just, again, who, who could have imagined it? Well, honestly, in 2020, when I first sounded the alarm on all of this bizarre political, you know, political content in the curriculum, I think a lot of people thought I was exaggerating. And when I talked about the division and, you know, in classrooms and schools, how they were dividing kids by the color of their skin. And in fact, even teachers were divided. We were at one point asked to do white affinity groups and black affinity groups. So when you create that culture of division, it carries through year after year and right into college. And so those kids from 2020, 21, and even before that, were already getting sort of groomed to be activists to see themselves as victims and to see themselves as, you know, 
fighters in that oppressed versus oppressor, you know, war or narrative. And so kids have not been really taught real history. They don't really understand what the history is between the Israelis and the Palestinians. They don't really even have a, an understanding of American history or European history anymore. It's all about producing activists. And what we're seeing now in colleges is that student activists that was going through the high school system just a few years ago. And it's gotten to the point where it's actually dangerous because it's no longer just one or two people being targeted or three or four, you know, a teacher here or a doctor there or a college professor. It's now the entire country is at risk, you know? So yeah, maybe no, now absolutely. people will pay attention. A absolutely. And, and you know how, how sick it all is. The Supreme Court um, made a preliminary decision today or yesterday, striking down, upholding a lower court and striking down Florida had a ban uh, uh, that that prohibited um, adult shows under certain conditions that you, you couldn't bring kids to these shows like drag shows. Um, and by six to three, the Supreme Court upheld the lower court decision saying you can't do that yet. You know, we're going to put a stay on that that law uh, until this this case go, goes to fruition. And it, it didn't specifically mention the law doesn't specifically mention drag shows, uh, but it but it, it talks about um, uh, lewd conduct. And, uh, you know, and, and you can't bring kids to, to shows with lewd conduct that are meant for adults. And they're saying, no. You know, no, you can't you can't keep kid, little kids out of it. And we've seen the videos, uh, Ramona, we, you and I, we've all seen the videos of these these um, these drag queens, you know, making vulgar movements and 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 teaching some of the little kid, little kids how to stuff dollar bills in the crotch. And, uh, and, and I mean, again, beyond belief. And some of them are sitting sitting there with their parents, which you talk about taking kids away from parents. There's a perfect time to do it. But. It, it, I just don't understand it. I just don't know how this is happening in our country. It does boggle, like I said before, it just, it's perplexing. And we were talking about that earlier, a group of parents and I were having this very discussion. How do we come to this point? At what point did, you know, children and human life become almost worthless? And, and so at what point did, did, did this culture of, you know, hatred uh, begin to sort of bubble over. To what end is this culture of hatred and bizarre sort of um, gender ideology and sexuality, overt sexuality in our schools and all the curriculum? What is going on and, and where is this all going and leading us? Well, I, you know, I'm thinking possibly that they're trying to dismantle the entire family unit. Absolutely. Complete chaos. Absolutely. And and as I think I mentioned to you last time you were on, uh, the goal is, of course, uh, to do away. Uh, and, and by the way, the bill in Ohio, I was told by but we had someone on 
who a woman who wrote the heartbeat bill. She was on very strong, outspoken against the bill the, that passed Proposition 1 in Ohio last a couple of Tuesdays ago. Uh, and she said that that basically permits uh, minors to have sex with adults if they if they say they want to. And I, I, you know, I haven't heard that aspect of it discussed much, but I think that is the goal. I think the goal is um, no more pedophiles. We know that that pushes on to call them minor attracted persons. Maps don't no more term ped- pedophile. And you hear these professors, some of them who get in trouble, saying, "Hey, you know, they make kids uh, minors make decisions all the time." So if they decide they want to have sex with an adult, why shouldn't they? And that's I think that's one of the big places we're headed. I agree. And I'm seeing that in the health curriculum that is actually being rolled out in all our public schools here in Rhode Island. And specifically, I can speak to my son's school where they purchased a a health and I put that in quotations health because I don't see the health benefit to having kids role play certain genders, certain sexual situations that are inappropriate, that are, you know, developmentally kids are not ready for. Um, And so I'm seeing that sort of bizarre, you know, boundaryless sexualization of children and and making this sort of accessible to adults. I'm seeing this play out currently in our schools. And so I posted a lot of those lessons online because they're just so alarming and and parents need to be aware of what's happening. Tell me, uh, let, let's play the other, the 136, and then you come back and tell me exactly what this porn literacy is. Uh, cut 136. Because it scares me when a fifth grader asks me and has asked me, when are we supposed to start waxing down there? And I'm recalling their age being 11 years old. And how do they even know that somebody waxes pubic hair? Um, And they're thinking, well, I saw it on a magazine once. So it doesn't even need to be porn at that point, but they have these expectations of what their body is supposed to look like. And this fifth grader is just starting puberty and is already feeling insecure about their development. So if we are waiting until you know, a porn scene they might see in eighth grade and then the parents coming in talking to them about it, you're already having to do three years of unlearning before they can actually start to receive this information in an affirming and literate, you know, uh, literate way. Right. So he's so she's a hero because she's going to solve the problem for these kids before they before they even think about asking their parents. I mean, so what? So how new is this this so-called porn literacy? Well, I personally have never seen it in the schools, thank goodness. But I do know we have a state senator here in Rhode Island, Tierra Mack, who is pushing for some of this content to, you know, thankfully her bill did not pass. However, you know, we have certain politicians that are actually pushing for this. They call it pleasurable sex. And they're they're pushing for this uh, topic to be taught in school from K through 12. Now, what we are seeing is sort of, a watered down version of what she's talking about, but it's so going to provide an opportunity. This health curriculum that we're seeing roll out in Rhode Island is going to provide an opportunity for somebody who is potentially harmful or abusive or pedophile to abuse children because of the content, right? I mean, the lessons, having kids talk to adults you know, in a closed uh, atmosphere, in a classroom where parents will never, ever 
be a part of that discussion or they're never going to see these lessons. And they're acting out and, and role playing various scenarios that are disgusting. And just to speak right. to this woman in the video, just a brief moment, she sounds absolutely psychotic. I mean, if you really listen to what she's saying, she's first of all using all of this bizarre language that really, you know, doesn't make sense. But she's also imagining that she's in every child's mind. She clearly does not understand the developmental phases that children go, go through. No child is thinking the way this lady was professing they think. So just her assumption that she understands what every child is thinking and wants is is a break, you know, she's clearly having a break from reality. She's mentally oh. ill. Yeah, well, uh, there's a lot of a lot of them, uh, a lot of that going around uh, for people in positions of authority, uh, not only as teachers, but uh, uh, we're starting to see uh, the mental breakdown of uh, of people in every capacity in every every uh, forum uh, who are out there protesting in favor of terrorists. Um, Ramona Bessinger, uh, as always, anything you want to plug? Any websites? Anything you want to tell the people to uh, to follow you on Twitter or whatever? Yes, follow me on Twitter. It's at Ramona Bessinger, please, because now I've been sort of liberated from all of the censorship banners and whatever, you know, they do to prevent you from being visible in the public eye. So if you want to learn and Good. see, know about these lessons, then please give me a follow. That would be great. All right. And we'll we'll be in touch. You stay in touch. Have a great Thanksgiving with your, your Thank you. children and everything. And we'll speak soon. Thank you, Steve. Oh, you're welcome. All right, Ramona Bessinger, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here on the Steve Malsberg Show. We will continue. We have one final segment left in the hour right here on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. The radical left, fresh off their abortion-related victories in last week's U.S. elections, are not pausing in their dissemination of double talk and bullcrap on the issue. Here's CNN's John Avlon defending the fact that Democrats favor abortion on demand. The talking points are clear, right? It's the specter of abortion on demand, well into the third trimester, all at the hands of morally monstrous liberals. But it begs the question, how often do third trimester abortions actually occur in America? The answer is very, very rare. Get this, in 2020, 93% of abortions occurred in the first trimester, it's according to the CDC. Another 6% occurred between 14 and 20 weeks, early in the second trimester. Less than 1% were performed at 21 weeks or more. Which is to say that third trimester abortions are vanishingly rare. So let's say Avalon's correct. 1% would have been some 9,000 such abortions in 2020, according to the Guttmacher Institute, a group committed to the so-called reproductive rights. And to people like John Avalon, killing 9,000 wholly formed babies is not even worth mentioning. It's who they are. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Listen to my show, 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, right here on TNT Radio. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. 
You're listening to The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, we are back. Were you able to tell? <laughs> um, all right, so let's get uh, let's get back to this. Um, we don't have a lot of time, and what we don't get to today, God willing, we'll get to tomorrow, because tomorrow, no guests, because it's Friday for me. Anyway, okay, so I want you to listen. Uh, this is how uh, the CBS Morning News and the Today Show uh, presented uh, reports of the the uh, the violent uh, confrontation between police and uh, pro uh, um, Hamas protesters at uh, the DNC. Uh, pro Hamas, they want to cease fire. If you want to cease fire, you are pro Hamas in my book. And even Joe Biden and our Secretary of State say, if you give a ceasefire, you're helping Hamas. So to me, it's one and the same. So anyway, um, again, six cops hurt. Cops were pepper sprayed. One arrest only. And the Washington Post, the Washington Post didn't even put this in its main section, put it in the, uh, in the metro section. Can you imagine if these were MAGA people? Can you freaking imagine? Well, you don't have to imagine. We saw the Capitol. This was on a smaller scale, but they're battling with Capitol Police in front of the DNC. And there were top DNC, there were Congress people in that building that they were trying to break into. Unbelievable. Here's uh, cut 179. Police clash with protesters demanding a Gaza ceasefire outside the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington. We were met with intense police brutality. Uh, a protest for peace descended into violence last night in Washington. Police used pepper spray on demonstrators outside the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee. The organizers say they were there to demand a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. Demonstration was organized by a coalition of groups. Some protesters blame police, many wearing riot gear for the violence. I was shocked by, by the police, by seeing police officers throw protesters over the railing, over stairs, by macing them and pepper spraying them. Tense moments in the nation's capital overnight. A protest over the war in the Middle East turning violent. Chaos in Washington. Get back! Protesters demanding a ceasefire, clashing with police at the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee. Okay. Now we go to more of the Today Show and uh, Good Morning America, their coverage this morning of this cut 180. Police say that the protesters got violent. The demonstrators say they were peaceful, but then it was police that escalated the situation. Either way, it devolved into chaos. Event organizers say at least 100 demonstrators suffered injuries after they were pepper sprayed and pushed by police. And you came here tonight to say, as Democrats, you need to listen to what the Democratic base is demanding. 80% of Democrats are demanding a ceasefire. We are going to begin with the protest of the Democratic National Committee in Washington that forced the evacuation of several lawmakers last night. You see it right there. Capitol say about 150 people were illegally and violently protesting, calling for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. And those protesters demanding a ceasefire blocked the entrance of this building here overnight, clashing with police. Nearby Capitol offices were put on lockdown. Members of Congress had to be evacuated. And several officers were injured. And one person was arrested. And by the way, don't you love the way they give equal cred to the accusations that the police, it was that they were the problem, that these poor peaceful protesters were attacked by the police. 
This is the bizarro world. It's the bizarro world because everything comes back to Seinfeld. It's the bizarro world that 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 Hamas are the good guys. It's the bizarro world that the cops are the bad guys. It's all the bizarro world. It's all consistent. If you believe one, you probably believe the other. Well, um, Republicans, let's see. Online, Florida Congressman Kat Kamak, um, Republican, posted a video of the protest while she was on Capitol Hill. I'm on Capitol Hill right now and it's on lockdown. No getting in or out of our offices. We have officers that were pepper sprayed by pro-Hamas protesters with a lot of people attempting to break into the Democratic headquarters. Anyone else notice how violent the so-called ceasefire crowd is? Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs, a Republican, posted that the nation's capital is under siege. Last week, it was the White House, Biggs wrote. This week, it's the DNC. These left-wing lunatics have to be held accountable, he wrote. Thank you, um, United States Capitol Police, for keeping Democrats safe from their own terrorist-loving supporters. Congressman Mike Collins, Republican from Georgia, posted, stay safe out there. Uh, we got more. Let's see. That uh, that that that. Multiple officers injured in the line of duty. Democrats can't even offer a simple thank you, let alone condemn the anti-Semitic riot. This is um, Republican Congressional Committee Communications Director Jack Pandel. And I'm just looking here because I know the cops uh, had something to say. The United States Capitol Police re- released a statement today. Regarding Wednesday night's protest, after approximately 200 people gathered to protest, quote, we have handled hundreds of peaceful protests, but last night's group was not peaceful. The crowd failed to obey our lawful orders to move back from the DNC, where members of Congress were in the building. When the group moved dumpsters in front of the exits, pepper sprayed our officers, repeat, pepper sprayed our officers and attempted to pick up the bike rack. Gee, what were they going to do with that? Well, they were just moving it out of the way because an old lady was trying to cross the street, you see. Um, And attempted to, okay, our teams quickly introduced consequences, pulling people off the building, pushing them back, and clearing them from the area so we could safely evacuate the congressional members and their staff. Six officers were treated for injuries from minor cuts to being pepper sprayed and being punched. The United States Capitol Police said one, one, one arrest. Can you even comprehend that? Of course you could comprehend it because they weren't wearing MAGA hats, baby. They weren't wearing MAGA hats. And that's what it's all about. Hey, what a joke. What a sad, sad, sad state of affairs. I mean, really or very uh, sad state of affairs. Now, um, let's listen to, um, oh, this is the, uh, I can't get into that one right now. So I'm going to read you, I'm going to tell you a story here for a second. Uh, If you remember, if you remember, I've told you about um, this um, poor man, I think 63 years old out in California who was killed. He was pushed to the ground hit his head as he fell down on the curb and uh, and died. Just uh, died. Okay. Okay. So turns out it's a pro-Palestinian protester who was arrested now in the death of this Jewish man, Paul Kessler, a Ventura County Community College professor, Loe 
Al-Naji has been charged in the man's death. Police have arrested a pro-Palestinian California college professor in the death of a 69-year-old Jewish man at a concurrent pro-Israel uh, and pro at concurrent pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian demonstrations on November 5th. Loei Abdullah Fattah Al-Naji, 50, was taken into custody today, charged with involuntary manslaughter and battery, causing great bodily injury. And he was uh, put in jail at Ventura County Jail on a million dollars bail, according to the county sheriff's department. Um, both charges have special allegations that Al-Naji personally inflicted great bodily injury. And they're not providing any other information. Um, investigators with the department alleged that he caused the uh, uh, Paul Kessler to knock his head onto the concrete when he fell, which resulted in brain hemorrhaging that would kill him hours later in the hospital. Peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. So another dead Jew. Hey, I didn't even hear about this arrest in, the, in most of the media. Who cares? Who cares? You hear Mamala Kamala come out and say anything about it? Mamala Kamala? Nah, nah, she's busy. She's busy with Islamophobia. Jewish anti-Semitism is up like 500%. Since, since the, the, the FBI stats year after year show that by far and away, anti-Semitism is the biggest, uh, Jews are the biggest hate crime victims. Far and away. And now it's like astronomical far and away. But it's never talked about by itself. It's always lumped together with and all hate. Oh, OK. Which, of course, is true. But, you know, we got a problem here right now. Little problem and no further update that I have been able to see because the investigation is still ongoing. Um, the woman who ran the synagogue in Detroit. Who was found stabbed to death. By her her home or her apartment, she was trying to leave it or that she had come home. And then I guess she whatever right outside. And from the beginning, from the beginning, what the police told us was no, no anti-Semitism, no anti-Semitism. No, we don't know who did it. We don't know why they did it. But no, 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 no bias crime here. Finally, they say we made an arrest. We made an arrest, but they don't tell us the person's name. They give us no details, but no anti-Semitism here. I, you got to love it. You got to love it. I mean, it's just insane. Totally, totally insane. Will, will we ever know? Who knows? Who knows? We never would have seen the manifesto of the trans uh, uh, sick, twisted mass murderer from Nashville if someone didn't leak it. Calling all those kids in there that, that she shot up uh, crackers and worse. And she was white. She 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 thinks she was a he, but she she was white. Calling these these like entitled crackers with blonde hair and blah 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 blah. No problem. Media, not a word, not a word. If it was a MAGA guy going in there and shooting it up, oh, you'd know who his mother is, his father is, who who we voted for. Every detail, manifesto, you'd see it, you'd memorize it by now. They'll teach it in school. Nashville? Ah, no way. All right, folks. Crazy world. Sick, twisted, crazy world. Bizarro. Jason Olborn's next. 
God willing, we'll do it again tomorrow. Steve Ballsberg right here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio.